0: It's about to get real with the MTV original reality TV star OGs John and Beth, as they chat with great guests to discuss reality TV, music, pop culture, and real world life. Pick up your phone
1: and go to wherever you get your podcasts. Search for Getting Real with John and Beth. Turn it up. Getting Real starts now.
0: Welcome to Getting Real with John and Beth. We're so glad you're here because this is our very first episode. Hello, Beth.
2: Hello, John. I mean, can you believe that 30 years ago, we actually started on The Real World? Like, what would your life be like if you never got cast on The Real World? What would you be doing right now?
0: Much different. Later,
2: John Brennan.
0: We have to decide if it would be better or worse, but it would be much different, I think.
2: It would be totally different.
0: 30 years ago, we were watching for the first time episodes airing on MTV, which in the early 90s, you always turn the TV on most of the time you ended up on MTV and 90% of the time you ended up seeing reruns or a first episode of the real world Los Angeles. So we were on television a lot.
2: We really were. I mean, I think everybody in their late teens, early twenties, like everybody wanted to be on MTV. You wanted to have a piece of MTV. So (laughs) to actually get cast on this show that we really didn't know that much about, um, was just an incredible experience. And to be able to go back, uh, people that are listening, we actually did a reunion show with our cast members um, two years ago, and it was on Paramount Plus. We got to reunite after almost 30 years.
0: Can you believe, first of all, that that has been two years ago? And they put I, us back yeah. in the same exact house with our, our our friends for life. I mean, our roomies, our brothers, our sisters, and we could not think of better guests to have our first inaugural podcast than our real world roommates. I'm I'm excited. I could, when we made a list of everybody we wanted to have on our podcast, these were the first people we wanted. We wanted our roommates from the real world to be our guests. And so we're super excited. We have three of our roommates and this is going to be a mini reunion right here on our podcast. And so we're going to bring them in one at a time here and then we're going to have a big party at the end where we're all together and it's going to be phenomenal. We're so glad you tuned in for Beth. Who is our first roommate?
2: I mean, everybody, everybody remembers our our roommate, Irene. She, (laughs) she was the cop. My favorite
0: roommate. My favorite. Oh my gosh.
2: She was like the mom of the house. And she was the mom. I and, and I have to say, I was really intimidated by her because she really had her shit together. OK,
0: well, she was David. extremely, extremely hot. First of all, yeah.
2: she was beautiful. She had a career. I mean, not a job. She had a career and she was in love and she was about to get married. I was just like my jaw dropped like, well, oh, I'm still trying to figure out who I am. And now here comes Irene. Irene, welcome to the show, Irene.
0: Hey, mom.
2: Hey there, (laughs) excited to be here.
0: Oh man. It's great to have you.
2: Especially with you
3: guys. I mean, my lifelong friends.
0: This is awesome. This is awesome. So you still live in California after all these years, what do you do now? Tell us what a day in the life of Irene from the real world, Los Angeles is like.
3: Well, gosh, you know, it seems like I'm always reinventing myself, right? I go and retire from the sheriff's department. I figure out what am I going to do next? I get into health and wellness. I love that. I'm in the best shape ever. And then I stumble across the travel world. Mm. I mean, who doesn't like to travel, right? And I was introduced to this awesome business and I love to travel anyways. My husband, I got the bug actually when I went to Italy with my daughter. And then my husband now loves to travel. We're big Airbnbers and stuff. So um, I thought, you know what? Um, I'm a planner. Right. I'm a mom. I'm organized. I can do this stuff. And I love planning trips. So why not plan trips for others and make a paycheck? Right. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Because it's
3: something people are going to do anyways. So that's what I'm doing. I'm now running my own travel business and I have agents under me and it's been a blast.
0: So where can we find you? Are you online with your travel business?
3: I am. I'm at Real World Travels with Irene. Isn't that nice? Real World Travels with Irene. (laughs) And and I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on threads, which I don't know how to do yet, anyways, but I'm still there. Learning TikTok. (laughs) Um, Just like Twitter. If you go to Real World Travels with Irene, it will lead you to every one of my social media pages. That's awesome. To be able to plan and um, request a trip. So go there if you have any travel needs.
2: I love that,
0: and I called you mom because you were, I think, twenty four when we were on the real world. I want to age you here on the internet. Twenty five. Okay, 25. you were twenty five, oh. and I was eighteen years old. So immediately, you became like a mom figure to me, but really the whole house. But first, me. I was a I was a child. I was eighteen years old, fresh out of high school, and you were a twenty five year old grounded person, like Beth said, a career. But now I mean you're a mom of of how many and 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 how's how's all that work? Like how do you juggle this life of yours?
3: My son just turned 29 and my daughter's 23. I raised two previous bonus kids and they're in their 30s and I've got three bonus boys, 8, 16 and 19. So I guess you <laughs> could say that I really do like the mom role, right?
0: Beth, you can relate. <laughs>
2: I could totally relate so irene when you got the call to get reunited with your cast were you hesitant did you want to do it did you not want to do it did you what what were you what were you thinking
3: i remember who i talked to first i think it was john right
0: probably
2: yeah and at first i I might have
3: said i I, as i can recall because you know i am 56 now and my memory sometimes i have short-term memory loss and um, I might have said, Oh, no, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing that. You know, but then I'm going to be real. When they said there was going to be some good money in it. I'm like, hell yes, I'm doing <laughs> it."
0: <laughs> that was a different experience than the first go round.
3: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, we were going to actually get what we were worth. But I still think we were worth more.
0: Oh my. Oh my. Well, I was for sure. I mean, you know, when we were in, when we were in the exact same house two years ago, talking about things that had happened 28 years prior, did it seem like uncanny, weird, like alternate universe to you guys? Cause for me, I couldn't believe we were standing in the same rooms in that same house after all those years had passed. It was weird.
3: Yeah. It was really strange. It was almost like I was 25 again, 25 and maybe just, um, but not intimidated by the cameras. You know, we've all lived some life and we all have our opinions more so than we did when we were 25. And I was more afraid to voice my opinion back then than I was now. So I kind of went in with the attitude. I don't give a fuck because I'm just going to be who I am. And I wasn't able to do that 28 years ago when we were on the show.
2: Do you feel like your opinion changed of any of the roommates? From 1993 to when oh, you got reunited.
3: Oh yeah. Absolutely. Like who? Well, like Glenn. Only because I didn't really know Glenn too well. And then, you know, when we were on the show, I got to see he was a family man. You know, he's a dad. He he was in love. And it was just really cool to see that side of him because well, I mean, you know, back then we were all young and stupid. And I think he came a long way from perch to this. So I just I was really impressed by the fact that we kind of shared the same values too when it comes to family and with David still an ass you know so uh, but he just couldn't help himself and Tammy a bitch I don't care I'm gonna say it right now but I did see one little glimmer of kindness when she asked if she wanted to she was doing a load of laundry and she asked if I needed my towels done and I'm like um Okay, sure. So what's, I know what's that the catch?
0: Gonna... What's the catch?
3: <laughs> exactly. What are you up to? And stuff. <laughs> and we have a couple of I had a, a conversation with her off camera that didn't surprise me, but surprised me. What kind of conversation?
0: Oh, do tell. Uh,
3: tell us what kind of conversation. Uh, well, so we were out on the balcony and she came to me and she did we you know, I had you know some words that I shouldn't have said back then. <laughs> Just kind of came out. And I'm not going to apologize for it. And um, she took me aside and said, maybe you should go into the confession and talk about that, you know, so this way you don't look bad. Right. But then when I asked her about how, you know, I'd like to stay like in contact with her after, it was a pretty much no, I don't want to stay in contact with
2: you. Mm.
3: So I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. That just showed me her true side and how she really actually cares about certain people. So to me, she didn't give a rat's ass about me and... I feel the same about her too.
2: Well, I, I'll tell you what, I give a rat's ass about you and I give a rat's ass about all of you guys. And we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Getting Real.
1: Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them.
3: Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win.
0: And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package.
3: And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month, so just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S.
2: Okay, we're back, getting real with John and Beth, with our special guest, our roommates, and we're, and we're talking to Irene first here, and um, Irene's uh, telling us about her experiences with some of our roommates. We were talking about Tammy. Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot definitely transpired during our reunion with all of our roommates. It was super explosive, I thought, and it was so condensed. Yeah. we You know, we had a lot of drama over six months, and now this taping was for <laughs> two weeks, So it was like, you know, every 20 minutes, something was, something was going off in the house. So it was a lot.
0: Well, we had a lot going on in our season, for instance, you know, 10 or 12 days into our experience, we had, we had David leave the house because of the whole Tammy blanket hallway incident. And so he left the house, got replaced by Glenn, who's going to be our guest on this podcast in just a few minutes. So hold tight for, for roommate Glenn. And then Irene, you left, you got married as was planned. And, and, and your wedding was on the the episodes and you left the house. We didn't know you were going to be getting married and leaving the house. Of course you did. And then you got replaced by a roommate. So we, it was the true story of seven strangers, but we actually had nine total people in and out of the house. And our next guest, you actually never lived with until the homecoming. And, and, and now you're tight. And it's, it's weird for me to think that the two of you never actually lived in the house together back in 93, but you certainly did in, in our in our homecoming uh, that was on Paramount Plus a couple of years ago. But if, if one Beth in our house wasn't enough, I almost I almost couldn't believe myself when I first I was the first one to meet my roommate that was coming into the house. I said, well, welcome. And what's your name? And she said, Beth. And I said, surely not. There is already a Beth, and we can, quite frankly, not handle another Beth. But this is Beth Anthony, known on the show as Beth A. Beth A, welcome to Getting Real.
4: Woo-hoo! I'm so excited for you guys. Thanks for having us on your first episode.
0: We this couldn't think wonderful. of anybody better. It is wonderful. It is wonderful. And thank you for uh, being available and coming on. And wow, just, you know, we talk sporadically, but just in a nutshell, like here, a couple of years removed from this homecoming and 30 years removed from our initial real world experience. How's life for you? What's the real world like in your world, Beth? A?
4: Well, one, it's it's fun to be on the mainland because I got to spend so much time after the reunion with you all. So that's been great because being in Hawaii was kind of far away for,
3: for-
0: mm
4: a few decades, right? So I'm having a lot of fun being a SoCal girl again and, and going into a lot of my old digs and stuff like that and getting to see you guys more often. The big whammy for me, I'll say this in the most not Debbie Downer way, is that in March, I had some pretty major surgery. So when we were doing the reunion, I knew that something was wrong with my health. I had gained a lot of weight. I was having chronic headaches and fatigue, but um, apparently I um had something pretty serious going on, so I'm sitting here today, uh, one and a half less organs, <laughs>
2: and I'm still standing. What Can you share so, what happened?
4: Um, I it ended up that I had a a tumor that was functioning and acting like it was an adrenal gland, but since 2010, it's been pumping high levels of cortisol into my body which explains the heart attack and the weight gain that I couldn't get rid of and things like that. And the um, extreme headaches and fatigue. So in, in one sense, I have a new lease on life. My life has been given back to me. In another sense, I'm learning how to live with uh, just one adrenal gland and things like that. So that's been a really wild adventure. I was told last October that I had 10 months to live. So it, it's been a really wow. wild ride. So just making sure my ducks are in order really, um, being fully present with my family, spending as much time with my child as I can. And it's helped me to refocus for sure.
0: Wow. And, and, and we know health, health issues are often private and we understand all those reasons. We didn't know that until very recently. I'm you not know sure everybody. Private I am. If you I know. get
4: weak, I don't tell a soul. Cause I, I, you know, as a mother, you, you're not allowed moments of weakness, right? I, I, the ship will will sink. If if I'm not holding the ship up, the ship sinks. So I just had to keep pushing forward no matter what. And here I am being given the gift of of each day with my child. I mean, it's just made me so much more fully in the present moment. And I don't know if I ever truly was in that space before in my life.
0: A well, lot of every gratitude. Day, every day yeah. is a gift. I mean, I think yeah. I think with perspective and, and age, we all realize that wow, Really, we, we did nothing to create ourselves. And so every day that we're given is, is, is just a blessing. And so we got to meet one of your children on the homecoming, and that was a blessing for us.
4: Yeah, Morty's doing great. He's a sophomore this year, and um, we're every day we just look at each other, and we have so much gratitude for for each day that we're being given together. Because it's, you know, Irene, you know, once they leave, they're gone. Right. The, the data says you'll spend 70% of the time with your children up to the age of 12. After mm-hmm. that, it's something like 17%. And after 18, it's what, 13%, maybe two weeks out of the year. So um, with that whole life scare and being told I had 10 months and stuff, I'm I'm keenly aware that I'm in the exact and right place and that I'm being a, given a gift to be able to be with my, you know, our last child that's home. So. Last one. So it's a, it's a balance between counting down the months till I have ultimate freedom and can just go roam the world and realizing that how precious this
2: time is. It really is. I mean, I I think, uh, the teenage years are, are super tough because they're going through so many growing pains. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to spend as much time as I can with, with, uh, with my kids as well. And I feel like my oldest one is, is being, resistant welcome to the club Beth.
3: welcome to the club girl
2: <laughs> it's like what i'm not cool are you kidding me i yeah. am so cool like, yeah. i like going to concerts i'm like you know hey you want to go to this concert with me she's like yeah. oh no i don't like them i'm like what what do you mean you don't like this band so yeah, yeah. right it's,
0: it's hard to convince young people that we were once the epitome of cool by golly we were on mtv right and mm-hmm. that is The Mm -hmm. epitome of cool. I mean, not really. (laughs) really. (laughs) (laughs) Well, back in the day, it was very influential in culture. I mean, we were on a show called The Real World. Definitely. And do you all feel like our show was the real world? I mean, now we're talking about real life things. You're talking about health issues. You're talking, you know, we're talking about making bills work. We're talking about raising teenagers. Uh, You know, bands that were cool are no longer cool. I mean, how how real was our show? I mean, it was it was real. We lived in the house together, but did it represent real life?
4: Well, I think what's really interesting is that a lot of the hot topics that we were uh, brave enough to talk about—talking about, you know, abortion and being gay, coming out, who you love—all the things that we were really controversial at that time—and I find it very interesting that those same those very same topics are resurfacing as such a big issue right now. So if we wanna talk about how real we were, we were brave enough to discuss things that that people were not discussing at that time, that it has taken 30 years later for them to become household discussions. So I, I would say that to the best of our ability, we were being as real as we possibly could under the circumstances.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we were being real in in the experience, and 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 the best way that a TV show that was non-scripted could could, you know, relate to the world or represent the world. I mean, we were diverse for sure, Mm -hmm. but I mean, life has changed so much. The real world itself has changed, but uh, I mean, life and culture has changed so much in thirty years. I mean, you got to think about this. In
4: it hasn't. It hasn't.
0: Okay. Well, in in ways that it has. Number one, we didn't have we didn't have the internet in our house. Okay, the internet was not a thing in in homes yet. Okay, businesses had internet and companies. I didn't have a cell phone until 1998, five years after the real world uh, experience for us on our show. And I mean, so think about how the internet on a cell phone has changed everything. And then, uh, you know, the reality TV in general has changed so much. But in, in what ways, Beth A? Do you think that life hasn't changed? Well,
4: I think um in that sense, uh, that the same life issues, the the same uh, rights to equality that, that we were discussing back then are just as relevant now. And I think what has changed for me personally, and I think for a lot of people, especially people that live in, on the West and the East Coast in the last 10 years, because we have so much access to information now, is we may have believed that there had been significant change, and we now know that there hasn't been, that we haven't really truly progressed as much as I think that our coastal views would like to think we had as far as equality on all playing fields, whether it be, you know, the glass ceiling for women in, in work and fair equal pay, um, you know, gender identity, all these things. It, it, that to me is really interesting. I thought we had progressed so much more. Mm-hmm. And we haven't changed so much in that way. So that I think that the, the big change is we get so much more information. Now, Mm -hmm. the, the difficulty with that is how accurate is the information and how much of it are 30 second blips to, uh, change behaviors in and perceptions. And so there's a lot of caution with that as well. And I think that that has completely changed our society. Very true. Interesting to me, I think that the addiction to reality TV—we saw such a huge influence that the Kardashians had—that all of these reality TV shows have had. The internet now is is a 30-second blip of that. So definitely, you know, we we helped to create that new experience in society.
0: Well, after all these years, you're still one of the very most profound and interesting people I've ever met. My roommate Beth A and irene and oh. co-host awesome beth beth s uh we're gonna take a break and this party is just getting started because we have another roommate
5: that we're gonna bring in right after this break don't go away
2: OK, and we're back with getting real. We've got our roommates from MTV's The Real World Los Angeles in 1993. The OG's we've got Irene Beth A. And now we're introducing Glenn Glenn, Glenn to the show. world famous
0: for Perch the band. What's up, Philly? How are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? I,
2: I would never think 30 years ago that I would be sitting um, in a podcast and welcoming you. <laughs> Uh, Speak with me. I would he, have never thought that because Glenn and I did not get along at all in 1993. How
0: was that possible? Is that true, Glenn?
5: <laughs> yeah, I learned how to shut my mouth.
0: <laughs> okay, this is a podcast, man. You can say whatever you want. We can edit too. We can. We can edit.
5: I just stopped by to see what you guys are up to.
0: <laughs> We're glad <laughs> that. You're. What Glenn? What is a day in the life uh, of of you now post? real world post homecoming show from two years ago. I mean, you're you're at work, you're, you're, you're doing your thing. What, what's your life
5: like now? It's a lot of driving. I ended up meeting somebody and she lives uh, in New Hope, Pennsylvania. So I pretty much, I live there now, but I still have all the uh, furry kids that I was left way back in 2019. So I basically, you know, rent a house, the ones that we have not been able to integrate into the other house are still at the other, they're still in, in my other yeah. house. So it's a lot. It's a lot.
0: Yeah. And I, we, I, one of my favorite things about the homecoming was, was when your kids came to the house and spent, you know, a few hours or half a day, whatever it was. And, uh, unfortunately that among other awesome parts, never really made it onto the, uh, the homecoming episodes, but that was, that was one of the the, the coolest parts was when uh, some of your kids came to the house and and I just specifically yours. Remember sitting on the rooftop, just having a great time. You have a great family.
5: Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad that first of all, that we all got that opportunity that to just do the homecoming because like Beth said, there's a lot of stuff. I think that was just festering for years and years for no reason at all. And we all got to uh, work things out and, and heal. And, um, and now we're here doing the podcast. But um, my kids, for them, you know, I think for any of us with kids, you know, they've been told about us for so long and they really don't understand or they didn't understand. And um, for for mine, especially to be there and to witness it and to get to meet all you guys, they almost felt like they were there way back when we did it the first time because they felt like part of the family. It it was amazing how they just integrated right in that day that they stopped by because they've been hearing about everybody forever. Um, but it's so, it's so great that they got to meet everybody and we got to spend that time together.
2: Glenn, going back to 1993, where, where did, where did they find you? Where did MTV find you? Did they find you? or did you find them? What, how how did you get on the show?
5: Basically, I heard about the real world before the first one came out and I was really interested, but I was still in school and I figured I, I was in my senior year, so I couldn't do it or I couldn't even apply so when they I was basically I was told about the real world and how great it was and how how interesting you know how actually people were encouraging me to try out for it or to do whatever so finally uh it was a marathon of New York after it was over and I was hanging out with my, with my girlfriend at the time and we just started watching the marathon when the marathon was over I I had to drop her off. And when I dropped her off, I said, I'm going to be on that show. And I dropped her off, went back home, gathered a bunch of pictures, put numbers on them. And each one kind of told a story. Each one had like a paragraph and or a sentence or two. And it told a, a story about me. And then I sent it in. and I start getting phone calls. Uh, and then they came out. Well, I met you, actually. I met you in New York because I went up that day when it was a bad, bad ice storm and nobody could drive. It was so bad, somehow I got onto the turnpike and I made it up to New York. And um, and you were in the office, you're like one of the only people that was there. And I met you, you were sitting there waiting for your interview and you went in before me. And then I guess when you're done, John Murray uh, interviewed me. And uh, after that interview, we were supposed to come back the next day. He knew I was driving back to Philadelphia. And he was so nice, he even said like, if I needed a place to stay, they would find a place for me to stay and everything. Um, but so I went back to Philadelphia and he called me and he told me I didn't need to come back because the interview went really well and uh, I'd be hearing from everybody. So then, then they send cameras out to the house. Um, and um, the guy who did the the filming or recording basically told me, he's like, there's no way um, you're not going to get this. And then uh, a <laughs> week later he calls me, he says, you're in the top 10. And uh, he's like, I really think you're going to get this. And then I get this little postcard in the mail, like a week later, and it says, thank you for your time. But, um, you know, you're not going to be on the show. <laughs>
0: mm. and what oh was it? What gosh. was it about? I want to know what was it about Beth in that casting waiting room that made her so memorable? I mean, why wasn't she just the girl that was also waiting for casting? What What was it that made you remember she was there?
5: She was friendly and we talked, you know, so I just remembered her. And there was nobody else really there. I think everybody, nobody else could make it. I, nobody was driving that day. You must yeah, have stayed guys- overnight.
2: You guys don't understand like the situation. It was Christmas Eve. I, I wasn't it, Glenn? It was like Christmas. Eve, It, and then it was, like, might have you, been, but yeah, you was, were in New York. Christmas you must have stayed Eve. overnight. Oh, no, no. I had to ask my mom uh, to get me a plane ticket because they were like, OK, it's down to 20 people hmm. and we're having, uh, you know, the, all the finalists come to New York City. And if you don't come, you're not considered anymore. Right. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So I and called you're my in mom. Los I'm Angeles. Like, mom, I've. I got to get on the show. you got to get me a plane ticket to New York city. And so I flew there and I was freaking out. I mean, I, I, uh, it was super stressful. See, My my
0: experience was so different. My experience was I'm standing downtown in Nashville with a cowboy hat on. And a guy walks up to me and says, do you sing country music? I said, yeah, everybody here does. You want to be on MTV? I was like, no. Hey, would you apply to be on this show we did in New York? And he told me all about it. I said, no, that sounds dumb. And they, and he said, you're perfect. I said, why am I perfect? He said, well, you're rude and you're stubborn. You're perfect for the real world. Hmm. Oh my God. I can't believe I've, I've never really heard all of this backstory. This. And so Glenn fast forward, what a year and a half, and you come in to replace David who we have kicked out of our house and boom, you see Beth. Was that your first reaction was, Oh my goodness, this is the girl from New York
5: at that moment. No, I, I didn't. Cause I was in shock that whole interview was it was a complete shock to me and i was extremely nervous so um it was tough you know because i'm I'm going in there but beforehand um so i didn't get i didn't get picked to be part of the cast and um i was upset i was kind of depressed and uh i i decided i'd write a letter and thank um john Murray and mary ellis for the opportunity and i also wanted to get into film and, and tv so i thought i'd write a letter and and ask them if there's any, you know, positions anywhere. I'd, I'd love to work for them someday. And just, you know, here's my resume. And uh, I sent some pictures too, somewhere of me crying and everything. <laughs> so um yeah, it was one night, I guess a month in uh, and they called me out of the blue and uh, I was actually heading out to the theater and they called me and they just said, Hey, it's, and I'm thinking they're asking me to, to work on the show. I was really excited. And then they go on to explain to me that um, somebody's leaving, and um, and we, you know, we we have two people out here, and we want to, we really loved you, and we want you to come out and be another one uh, to get interviewed. But you might not get picked, so you might get rejected again. Can you handle that? You know, and, and we're we're only going to cover you for one night and your flight and everything. So I said, sure, I'll come out. And it basically was like two days later, I just disappeared. I didn't really tell anybody this time because the first time, everybody was. And, and like that all my friends in philly and everybody else and the music scene were saying how i was going to get picked for the real world and everything and then i didn't so i looked like an idiot so this time i didn't tell anybody and they really didn't know until well my band knew because i disappeared and i told them they're the only ones i told and uh so when i when i got picked i just didn't, we didn't tell anybody until it started airing and that way yeah. everybody was surprised
0: that's awesome that's irene what was your process like, what was it like for you to get on the real world and get married? I mean, that wasn't a surprise. It was all planned, right?
3: Um, well, I they actually came to my work and put like a flyer on the bulletin board in, in the lunchroom and it said casting, blah, blah, blah. And I had called my sister and I said, have you ever heard of this real world thing? And she's like, oh yeah, I saw the pilot. It's like you know these weird people coming to live together and stuff true story
0: I was, that's true
3: it's true true story and um i'm like and they were looking for a cop i'm like and they were looking for someone who's getting married and i'm like well hey check check right and so i uh, applied i i think i went through like eight interviews you know all on camera went down to universal um city down there where um Bina murray was headquarters and uh, each time, you know, they filmed you uh, during the interview and then they filmed him because they knew he was going to be part of it, too. And, uh, you know, he was kind of shy. I'm like, it's OK. It's not about you. It's about me. And <laughs> and um, and then I got a call saying, you got it. And I'm That's like, awesome. OK, what did I get?
0: because I really have no idea. <laughs> we're still tr- we're still trying to hard, figure that it out. Get. <laughs> so they wanted they wanted uh they they wanted a country singer they came and found me. We know they wanted a bike messenger for San Francisco. They went and found Puck. You think they wanted a female sheriff deputy?
3: Um I don't think they were looking for that. I think they got lucky.
0: Yeah, uh, we we think they got lucky for sure. They
3: got lucky because <laughs> I wasn't just this ordinary female cop, okay? Um, you know, so, and, and I was getting married and, um, (laughs) I remember when we're going to do the wedding and the reception and they didn't like the area of where my, uh, head table was going to be. And they're like, can you move it? I'm like, can you pay for it? (laughs) And I was not moving. Right. You know, so. Little did they know that they were getting somebody who actually liked to um, talk back, but
0: um, a little feisty, little feisty,
3: little feisty, feisty, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, probably feisty even more. So now, Um, but yeah, that was the process. And, um, and I know that they wanted a cop because it wasn't the only place that they posted that um, flyer. I knew some LAPD people and they were going to LAPD as well. And I was a marshal back then, not a sheriff.
2: So did you have like other friends who were also yep. auditioning?
3: Uh I did. I had another person from the Marshalls department actually apply for it too. And I mean, he didn't even get a call back. So <laughs> <do you> say?
0: <laughs> Beth A, hey, you you came in uh late in the game too. How how that process work?
4: That was an interesting. I I literally uh, had never seen the show and had no idea what it was. And I was working on a I think a nightmare on Elm street or some really trashy horror film. And we were doing 20 hour days, you know, six hour turnarounds for 75 bucks a day or whatever, brutal six day work weeks. And I think I was a month five in, just exhausted. And, um, my, my producer, Michael Kane, he said, Hey, my girlfriend's best friend is this casting director. They're casting this, heart. They're really looking for a, a lesbian. And would, you know, would you go down and interview for this? Because it'll, it'll just, she's afraid she's going to lose her job because she just can't fill this position. And he said, and we'll pay you and give you the day off. Oh wow! So I just went, Sure, I'll go. Are you kidding? Uh, Wait, I'm gonna get a day off after working these really long, exhausting hours. And so I went down and interviewed, and I wasn't nervous or anything because I had no idea, just no idea what I was walking into. And I was basically doing my boss a favor. And so I got in there, and they asked me to tell a story. And you know me, so I think I told them some stories about fighting fires because you know I had just come off of working for the Federal Forestry Service for years as a firefighter and stuff like that, and just talk story with them and then that was it and then i went back to work and i didn't think anything about it well then uh they called me and said well we want to follow you around with a camera and again my producer michael said uh we'll give you the day off paid if you just go do this i was like okay and when they followed me with the camera because i got the day off i went to my friend's record release party then that was uh, uh, extremely wild And I think I left there with a half naked woman on my shoulders and uh, I might have been wearing leather and paste. I don't know what was going on. It was pretty wild. So they got this really wild image of me. And it was ironic because when the show actually started, all my friends were the roadies that went on tour with that band and everybody left all at once. They were in Europe touring. And so I was like, this boring person with no friends. But um I still didn't get it. So they did that. And then they wanted me to come back for something else. I said, look, you're gonna cost me my job. I, I'm in the movie industry. I can't just leave set. Like this is crazy. But like, knock it off. Like I've given you some of my time and now I'm done. And so I was working in a building in downtown Los Angeles and it was like two o'clock in the morning. And I remember the guy's name. You know, I never remember any of this stuff, but his name was Val. I'm sweeping this massively huge abandoned building to get it ready for the next day. Cause I was like craft service, and there's Val leaning against a, a the the wall <laughs> with my contract. Wow. And i leapt i mean my soul left my body he scared me so bad and i i read him the rights i was like what the fuck are you doing here this is my place of work you're gonna cost me my job and he's like well we just want to offer you a contract i'm like a contract for what (laughs) like i literally did not get it and what they told me was you're gonna you're going to live together in this really great, you know, cooperative environment with people from different backgrounds and show the world how you can, you know, work things out. Like they totally (laughs) got me on the hippie vibe. I thought we were going to be like making meals together and getting along. Can't we all just get along? Right.
0: That guy's name, that's my, that guy's name was Val Miller and I'm laughing because I've never heard the story and I've never heard anyone mention his name except for Mary Ellis Bunum, who has gone to heaven, but she, uh, she was a co-creator of reality TV and the real world. And she, Val Miller is the one that stood in downtown Nashville and gave me the same, we have a contract for you. And I'm like, I, I mentioned his name to, uh, to uh, Mary Ellis and John way back in 1993. I said, where is the guy that hounded me to be on the show? Where is Val? And they went, oh, Val Miller. I'm like, yeah, where's that dude? He do not work for us anymore, but he's a great dude. And I have not heard his name in 30 years. I can't believe you just mentioned his name. So crazy.
4: I did. He scared the crap out of me that night. he was kind of creepy. Boy, did he change my life yeah, he forever? Was, he was, he was, a he was creeper. Just like that silent stealth yeah, vibe. Really
0: <laughs> nice guy, but he was on a mission. <laughs> two
2: in the morning in downtown LA. He, he, Come
0: on. Uh, John, two in the morning in we downtown Nashville. Val
2: Miller and see where he is.
0: I've tried to find are him on pretty, Facebook. Yeah. I've tried. I, I had I was in touch with him back you know, a long time ago on Facebook, but I can't find him anywhere. Anyway, Val Miller, if you are out there, you are the real world casting stalker, and we want to have you on Getting Real with John and Beth. We are having a party with our roommates, Beth, and we're going to be right back with another segment. Don't go away.
2: And we're back with Getting Real with John and Beth, with our roommates from 1993's MTV's The Real World Los Angeles. And I'm so excited to talk to, continue talking to Irene, Beth A., and Glenn. Glenn, I love Glenn so much. I mean, one of the greatest things for me that came out from being on The Reunion was actually reuniting with Glenn because we did not like each other. it was it was tough. I, I'm gonna say it was it was really tough going in and out of that house every day living with Glenn and I did not appreciate his his uh his band and they were called perch. okay but now, you know 30 years later and at the reunion like I, I am so into this perch music. I love perch. And, and Glenn, um, you know, I think you've got to reunite with Perch because um, that music just takes me away. What's going on with Perch? Tell us.
5: Well, you, you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> um, well, I did. I reached out to everybody. And I told them um, that you, you know, you mentioned uh, maybe doing something like a show. So- yes.
2: So, so uh, everybody listening, um, I... I came up with this um, idea that it would be fun to put together a concert with John and Perch. I think it would be amazing, and so um, you're going to hear some details about that soon. But we are going to put that together, invite everybody to to come out and hear John Brennan sing his new music and um, and Perch.
0: I'm going to open for Perch.
2: I mean, I think it's I think it's a it's a joint a, a it's joint a,
0: a co headlining tour. Yes in los angeles glenn yeah. I, I think we could i think we could knock this out of the park know. Yeah,
5: that's, <laughs> that's
0: what i'm being told
4: well i just want to remind everyone there's footage of beth s and beth a singing a perch exclusive duct tape kitty kitty oh, song it. at the reunion mm-hmm. <laughs> they're, they're, I remember. that footage exists so if you guys need any background singers you could have beth to the power of two yeah Irene,
2: too. I mean, you guys, you guys got to come too. I mean, I think it'll be a lot of fun. I'll play the tambourine. If there's going to be a tambourine, I could do that. Love it. Let's do it.
5: So we haven't, we haven't the, the original perch members, which would be Ivan, Richland, the, the ones that were primarily on the show. Um, we have not done anything since 2008. So. Look, I love those guys, and uh, I decided a long time ago that I'd much rather be friends with them for life than be in a band with them because they were more important to me as family members and and friends uh, than anything that had to do with music. So after the show, it was really challenging to keep everybody together because, you know, Lem, you know, when we were back in Philadelphia, it was easier, but Lem was still in college. He went to LaSalle University. That's where I met him and he was still a senior or he was going into his senior year when we were doing the real world so he kind of like had to fly out and spend time with us for shows and all that stuff and he would always have to fly out whenever we did shows in los angeles and it's really difficult and the band just really didn't work um without lem ivan and rich there was some kind of chemistry there like none of us really hang out as a group together but individually we always have a great time with each other. So. This is going to be really interesting. I, I didn't really think it was possible because of things that are happening to one of the members. Um, but even that member said, hey, look, um, I'm going to do everything I can to try to get out there, you know, and and do this. So so we're going to try our, our best to get out there and, and, and give it all. And, you know, John, we 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 had I don't know. They didn't show it that much, but there are a couple shots way back. When John would jump in, uh, when we had the party the one time, John picked up his guitar and would jump in and just start playing. And that was always so much fun. You know, to you, Beth, back in the day, it was a nightmare. But to everybody else, we had a lot of fun. And Irene, unfortunately, you weren't there. You were gone married. and But we had so much. Actually, Irene, you would have killed us all. So it's a good thing you weren't there.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's probably right. They
5: probably wouldn't have spent the night one night. <laughs> no, they would have spent the night in the in guys, jail. I mean, they were in like LA band County members. Jail. That's where they would have been. <laughs> there were like
2: band members sleeping on top of the pool table, underneath <laughs> the pool table, in the confessional. I mean, they were all over the place. I was like, oh my god, this is like. Uh, uh. It was a lot. It was a lot. But uh, again, like I said, I I definitely appreciate Perch and their music, and I think it's gonna be amazing to get the, get. let's get the band back together. It's gonna to be fun, like I can't wait. I'm so inspired to do this. So we are gonna do a Getting Real uh, production uh, with John and Perch, coming soon everybody. Stay tuned, and we will definitely have our, our roommates there as well. I hope you guys will come. It'll be Absolutely, so I wouldn't yes. miss that for the world. For so sure. Glenn, when the real world started, Tell me the history of Perch. So were you guys together or did you kind of just like have a few band members and then you found some after you got on the show, you're like, Oh, I got to put this band together. How did it, how did it happen?
5: Rich and I have always been in a band together. I kind of, I kind of started doing music with Rich and as a joke. And then, um, this band, uh, formed behind us called magnetic Jesus. And they became really popular in Philadelphia. Like that's the one who ended up playing that JC Dobbs with, Rage Against the Machine and other bands, we would basically get people to the shows when when touring bands would come into town and, and pack the house. And But then it got to where it became really professional and um, they were worried about me because I was going out to a lot of parties. And um, I found that, and I went to a lot of shows. I found by going to other band shows and going to parties and performing at parties, we built our, our audience and we built our fan base. Um, but it got to a point where my I was just, my I, I wasn't able to like keep up with everything plus going to school and having a job so they told me basically they started off by saying you know we're not going to play any more parties and um and I you know I said okay that's fine so I'm booking shows with them and uh it got to it just became really professional and I guess and that's where most bands go like if you want to get signed you got to be professional and they wanted us to get signed and so did I, but I, I also wanted to build the fan base. And so uh, on the side, I formed Perch because um, Rich at some point left Magnetic Jesus and I missed him. And then um, he had there were guys who would come to our shows. One was Lem and one was Ivan. And Ivan was he was an amazing bass player or a drummer that I would see playing everywhere. And Lem was a drummer who I saw playing in like so many different bands when I would go out. And I, I thought mine was awesome, so I figured I'd I'd form a band with those guys, so I could, you know, I wanted to create more music and and have more fun, and still do Magnetic Jesus. Uh, by the time I graduated college, Magnetic Jesus gave me an ultimatum. Um, I was going over to to overseas for a bit after college, and uh, while I was over there, they told me basically you have to pick between Magnetic Jesus and Perch, or Perch. So um, when I went when I went overseas, I basically remember just traveling through Europe and uh, listening on my headphones to both bands, and I would talk to people about it and share how I felt and let them listen to the music. And I came back deciding I wanted to do Perch. So Magnetic Jesus just went on without me. They got somebody to cover for me or come in fill in my place.
2: Where is Magnetic Jesus today?
5: Well, basically, what happened was. Um, Magnetic Jesus at times has merged into Perch, okay. so when I when after I did the Real World, of course Magnetic Jesus wanted to do a show with me. So while Perch was still out in L.A. and the Real World was still airing, I would fly back to Philadelphia and and the East Coast to do shows with Magnetic Jesus, and then I would do shows in, on in L.A. with um, Perch. So at one point, because Ivan moved to Chicago, and all these different things happened. I just, I merged the two bands, Magnetic Jesus and Perch. I mean, look, when, when we want to be super, super professional and tight, which we weren't when we were on the real world, uh, that was the party band. Um, that would have been, we would have went with Magnetic Jesus, you know, and, and with Perch, it's more of write a whole mess of songs and never practice them and try to perform them first for the first time live. That's basically how we did things. And I'd be coming up with lyrics live. I would be figuring out stuff live. They'd be figuring out stuff live. And we got away with it. We used to play a lot of shows and we start getting as, as big as magnetic Jesus and that bothered them. So, um, but one band sloppy and the other bands tight.
2: <laughs> so are there any band members that left magnetic Jesus that we would know of today?
5: Oh, to other groups. Well, yeah, but, you wouldn't know them now i wouldn't no. know and, them. Oh, Okay. and i just lost one last year my one of my closest friends he passed away last year and uh he he actually last time um perch played with the original members and at jc dobbs or at dobbs in philadelphia um we had him play bass and ivan you know played guitar with with rich and it was so it was great i loved it it was so amazing and Honestly, for this one, you know, that that's a bummer because obviously he's not here. So for this show, we couldn't have him, but we can't have him. So maybe we'll have some other surprise, who knows?
2: big, big surprises. ok. we're going to go to break. and Beth a, when we come back, I want to ask you what your favorite perch song is. And we're back with Getting Real, John and Beth, with our roommates from MTV's The Real World, Los Angeles, 1993, Old School. We've got Irene, Beth A, and Glenn from Perch, the band Perch, who who I'm trying to reunite with John Brennan. We're going to do a concert real soon. Beth A, what's your favorite Perch song? Well, I think my favorite Perch song is the most recent one, Kitty, Kitty, Kitty.
4: (gasps) <laughs> that we did at the reunion. Are you kidding? Come on! I wow. didn't know you had it in you, Beth. <laughs>
2: you know, I, I, no, I I think... wish they would have shown that. I wish they would have shown us. We were like jamming out with Glenn one night, and that was like, one of the and best Rich. nights. And with Rich from yeah, Perch, yeah, and Rich, yeah, next to the pool table, it was amazing. That's
4: one of actually my favorite memories of all time from any of the show experiences. Was was that moment together, just being raw and real. But you know, when I think of Perch, I I I saw a lot of live perch, and it was like, raw, 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 and I could never really kind of get what the lyrics were and stuff like that. So I think what I like the most about perch is the presence.
2: Yeah, it's you know, live and present. It's the presence, and it's uh, you know, it's up to your interpretation, right? <laughs> I literally <laughs> creativity to just flow, right? And you can just yeah. What was just, it,
0: Glenn? You said you were.
2: Push and pull whatever you want out of that Perch music. Actually, Glenn, you know what? I think that I hear some influence in um, Courtney from Hole, right? Her music. I think you inspired her music, not Nirvana. I think you Perch oh, inspired her music. Maybe. I can see some similarities between Hole never. and Perch. I don't know. Never know. I'm just, know.
1: Saying. I'm just really. saying.
2: All right, Irene. What do you? What? What about you, Irene? What do you think um, about Perch's music? Well, you know what? I'm gonna be honest, I probably never listened to one
3: song.
5: (laughs) Going out to Joshua Tree, I made you listen to one.
3: Oh, you did. We did. We were in the car. You're I didn't
5: tell you I didn't tell you it was magnetic. I didn't tell you it was perch though.
3: Yeah, I take that back that we were in the car and we did play (laughs) one and I'm like, okay, that's not that bad. It's just not (laughs) music. Well, I
2: mean,
5: the the difference now is that you can actually listen to it. It's you can just go anywhere, YouTube or Spotify and put in Planet Perch and
3: I want to make a note of it right now. Yeah, listen. and there's
5: so, there's so. songs there you'd be surprised. You wouldn't think it was you wouldn't think it was me or Perch,
1: but that's okay. Me.
2: So and Glenn, what what's the what's the most well-known the Perch a song? You guys are real musicians. Yeah, what's the most well-known Perch song that people would know like from the show? Uh,
5: actually it's from the show, it wasn't on the show. So so when I put out the CD I put finally put songs out. My brother encouraged me to get songs together and put them out because people had asked for them. So we did that. And one of the songs that I, I see gets hit the most is called Mockingbird, which I never thought of it as being a a, a song that's that big or interesting. Or when we played live, that was that big of a deal. But it's probably the one that gets the most hits. And again, you would hear it. You wouldn't think it's me, but it's me. <laughs> I have a lot of trouble um, performing. In in like any kind of setting, unless I'm on stage, and I don't know why it is, but I think I just turn into somebody else, or I can go deep and and just black out and just let it all out, and and I think with with my band Magnetic Jesus, you know, we practiced a lot, and so of course that's easy. Whereas I would say when I perform with Perch, back when we were doing the real world. It was more of a, a, just a live expression of everything I had to get out. It was therapy for me back then. Um, it was before I learned how to meditate and everything. And, um, it was my way to meditate and it was my way to express myself and get stuff out. Instead of yelling at you, Beth, I could go up on stage and yell, you know? (laughs) So,
2: okay. So you, but you know how like John, like people know John from the show for saying like true story. Right. And that's actually John's new single that just came out called true story you guys everybody should should uh go and listen to john's new music true story but glenn for perch give me some of the lyrics from the show that people would remember
0: oh who do you love that's that's the one that everybody Who
2: do you
5: love again so that song's again. again that song is again and and i believe that's on the the that's one of the songs you can hear on spotify or youtube wherever um Jello was really really popular. They played um locally in the tri-state area uh, area back on the radio before Perch. It was by Magnetic Jesus, but it's on the Planet Perch uh, CD um and online. So Jello would would have been one of the more popular ones. Popular ones. I know we played that a couple times in the house. Um we played this one and it was just a filler song. It was called Hoedown, but uh that actually <laughs> like John they got you on camera playing that. But uh, yeah, that's not one that uh, we'll be playing for your sake, John, at the live show.
0: Or we can re- we can rewrite it and we can, we can do yeah. a collaboration. But hey, uh, we're going to come back with uh, our last segment with our roommates. This has been a party, but we have a great segment
5: we're going to do in just a minute. We'll be right back. You don't want to miss it.
2: Okay, we're getting real with John and Beth. We've got our roommates from MTV's The Real World Los Angeles. Irene, Beth A and Glenn. Glenn, what is your favorite memory or memories from the real world or from our reunion? What was what do, what would you say is like your ultimate best memories from the show?
5: Well, a lot of them, of course, happened off camera or weren't shown. Um, but the one the one, of course, that was shown was when when the um, what you call a rat came up to me and, and just kissed my finger. And, you know, that just blew my mind because everything that was happening and all the tension and, um, and I knew I, you know, I, I, it, it was a heavy pressure situation for me because I, I sensed that I was there to deal with something that was awful for me and I still deal with to this day. And um, for that to happen and for me to get a message and it ended up changing so much of my life. And understanding um, my relationships with everybody, including Valerie, who at the time I was with, and me going and doing the homecoming and trying to be myself and also trying to um, establish a new relationship with somebody. And at the same time, be honest and respectful to the person I lost. Um, It was not easy doing that on, on whatever TV, the universal TV or universal media, however you want to call it these days um it was so i i didn't want to hurt her i didn't want to hurt valerie and i didn't want to hurt all those people that knew you know kim so
2: so so the background of the rat just so if if people don't know we did this reunion and um we were met in the desert by eric little mice not a rat
5: it's a kangaroo rat and
2: so so yeah so glenn You know, fill us in, like, where did you find, where, where did this rat situation happen?
5: Happened in a teepee. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we're sitting in ceremony with, with Eric. It's, it's, it's intense, right? I mean, when Dave walks out, David walks out, I better say David, he walks out and um, it was just, I I was just, I didn't know how I was not going to start crying and just fall apart. And and it took a sign from Kim. I, I see all that stuff as it's not magical or missing. To me, that was a sign from Kim to just, you know, I'm here and um and this is what I want you to focus on. And and don't 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 talk about anything else. You need to get it, get out, and get away from that. They actually did a great job editing everything together because um the what they used um basically um really showed many levels of complicated stuff and somebody healing like in front of everybody and being able to, to change his life.
0: Yeah. I think for me, that was one of the best things about the, the, uh, the homecoming for sure was they, they could took us back to Joshua tree. Surprisingly, Eric Neese. Eric Neese was yep. there waiting for us. And then he took us through this ceremony, which we were Indian style in a TP and, and just going through a lot a, of, a lot of, uh, a lot of thoughts and just inner searching. And, and that's, that's when this, uh, really monumental thing happened for you. And, and we were in disbelief too. We, we, watched this, you know, this field mice or whatever this was that, that, you know, crawled into our tent and directly over to you and like nibbled on your finger and then just went away. It was so weird. It was just strange. And we're looking at Eric, like, how'd you train this mouse? Yeah. And he's like, no, <laughs> this is totally real.
2: I'll tell like, you what that mouse passed me and I was doing everything I could not to scream. <laughs> I, was, I wanted to scream Wait. and i was like i don't want to ruin glenn's moment but i'm no. like oh my gosh it's well let's be clear right let's be
0: clear you you screamed so it wasn't everything under my control not to well, scream you literally little, screamed
2: no i just went eh! like i mean it would have been, i i was really trying to
0: well this is this mouth. is on video it was definitely more of a more of a
2: <laughs> <laughs> beth,
5: beth you might have saved me it might have ate my finger if you didn't do that yeah, yeah. <laughs> it might not have been a kiss <laughs>
0: Oh it's, it's funny how everyone's memory of that is different from a to a scream. And, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, I'll, that, I'll
2: have to go and rewatch that. I don't really think I screamed. I think I went. Oh.
5: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Anyway, I was trying to behave. Well, it was I, a buildup. up your moment, Glenn.
5: It was a buildup, too. It didn't just happen that time. That it kept coming and going. And that's mm-hmm. why I, you know, I just started laughing because I'm like, this is it. Like, this is what's supposed to happen. Thank God. Thank you, Kim. Thank you. Like, Thank you for getting me out of this because it took me back to her and all those fun things and all the different things. Because I did use to videotape her, I did those, I would tell her she's crazy. And now here I am putting my finger down and saying, Come on over to me, come on over to me. If you know, show me that it's you, show me that it's you. And I put my hand down and I wanted it to show me, like, and prove to me that that's what's happening. And Mm -hmm. it came over, it just came over. It was great.
2: Irene, Mm. what's, what's tell us some of your favorite moments from, from real world. Um, I think
3: I have, a have a few, um, of course it was marrying the kid's dad. You know, that was a really magical day and having all of you there, you know, that was really, other than Beth, I wish Beth would have been there. (laughs) Beth A. Um, that was really, um, very special to me. And, and then on the reunion show on the homecoming show, it was having Phil there and having you all meet like the love of my life. That right there was super, super special. And, um, and then having Gibby on the show too. That was really super cool. Who's Gibby. Gibby. Remember Gibby, my nephew. Yeah. Just well, so people. We, we, re- oh. we remember. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <Don't you> <laughs> So, yeah, Gibby is my um, nephew who is transgender and um, he is really thriving right now. He is a sous chef. Um, He was going to college and decided that his love and passion for food was a lot more stronger. So now he is working at a private country club and they all love him and he's doing really, really good. Um, So I'm super proud of that. And I have to go back to, to the Glenn moment that right there, even when I was there, I was so emotional over it and watching it on TV. I mean, even now I can get emotional about it just, you know, to see that, that moment that Glenn shared with that little tiny mouse was so heartwarming to me. And I'm glad that it helped him, you know, with his healing. So those are my, my special moments of the real world and the homecoming.
2: What about you, Beth? A? What were your special moments from the real world? Your favorite moments? I think
4: I think from the original show in 1993, there was a moment where Glenda and I were sitting in our hotel room mm. in Cozumel and the tiles were the same color blue as the ocean. And we looked at each other and we both knew that that was a magic moment, and we both wanted to share it with our mm-hmm. mothers. And it's something that really profoundly stuck with me, that we were being given opportunities that don't just come every day, and that it, the kind of opportunities that now maybe we'd wanna share with our partners or our children at that time, both of us had this deep desire to share it with our mothers, that we under we had a, a moment in between all the chaos of just being able to recognize how blessed we were to be having this experience. So that stood out more than most anything else, really, honestly, from that first show. For the reunion, I would have to say, um, forging stronger relationships with Irene, getting to reconnect with people that I really love and value and cherish, um, and seeing Glenn's process. That was really huge for me. Being baptized by John, Mm -hmm. was was a super big deal for me there there was such movement and healing you couldn't imagine in two weeks of very bizarre totally put together by production experiences on really tight timelines, that there could be so many moments of healing that would happen for all of us that, you know, the real world didn't feel so real the second time around, and yet more real things happened than I I ever could have imagined, the miracles of it that came out of it. That was really huge. Um, I had always wanted to meet David, getting to have those experiences with him that were really precious. And I'll say um, the moment on the rooftop with my son, the vulnerability, watching my child be brave enough to do what I did that I was so afraid to do at 22. My child was doing at 14 on such a bigger level because talking to the world about who you love is not the same as talking about being transgender and talking about your own body and who you are. And the, the bravery that it took for my child to do that was um, awe-inspiring to mm-hmm.
0: me. And I, I echo uh, what you said, Beth. A hey, uh, baptizing you in the jacuzzi of our house, 29 years after we lived there on television. Even though the baptism didn't make the uh, the homecoming, it was still. Uh, I think they put it on Facebook, but that was still probably my, you know, best real world moment because our roommates were there it was just such a profound moment. It was, uh, you know, of course, anytime you get to be part of a baptism is really, really special and spiritual. And, um, that was just really awesome. Even though it didn't make the episode and for reasons we don't know, and we may never know, but it still was a memory. Uh, and I have the footage of it and, uh, that was extra special. So.
4: Yeah, I have a lot of fun. It us. was. And, and we did it despite production right? because they weren't going to let right. us. And that was fun. Just, knowing the truth of what needed to be done in that moment and seizing the moment and, you know, being vigilante, right. <laughs> like we're, nope, we're doing, doing it. <laughs> the moment is yeah. now
0: we're, we're going to capture it on, on our iPhones, which we didn't have back in 93. We're going to, we're going to capture it ourselves. But uh, Beth, Beth, that's what, what's Thanks. your, uh, what's your biggest memory of the real world after 30 years?
2: For me, I think that the biggest gift that I got out of doing the reunion is I feel like I'm much closer to everybody than I was in 1993. Um, So to be able to go back and uh, talk about some unfinished business and um, to get to know people on a more meaningful level, um, to me, that was, that was the best. Um, Mm. I I still feel like there is still some unfinished business. And I think we need another reunion. Well, you know, that's a, that's a,
0: (laughs) that's a that's a lot that's a lot to uh to digest but what do you what do you guys think uh i mean other than the first seven on the new york real world uh i mean we are the 8th ninth, 10th 11th 12th 13th 14th 15th and 16th reality star of all time when you watch reality shows now they lump in so many things to reality shows there's competition shows there's the challenge. There's American idol. There's, you know, the voice there's, you know, all of these things they lump into reality shows. Now all these home fixer uppers. What, what do you think? What, do you, do you sit there? Like I do and go, man, this has evolved into something totally different.
3: I think writing the art of writing shows has gone away, which is sad because to me, I don't, I don't watch reality TV. I can care less about it, but I sure do like a really good, you know, drama. That's that's not real. Right. (laughs) That is not real Um, because the the other stuff just makes me sad sometimes, especially like the bachelorette and the bachelor. Uh, No, I know that man is having sex with three women on that one night. You know, it's just it just makes me sick to even think of that stuff or vice versa. You know, so um, I can deal with cooking shows absolutely love those, you know, so that's the only thing of reality TV that I'll watch, but I think they need to support actors and not the reality TV side and support writers. And it's really sad what they're going through right now, because people need to make a living. And sometimes reality TV shows takes away from that.
2: Well, you're right. Everybody needs to make a living. And what do you think about reality TV people being protected uh, with a union. I you think got to that too. Out.
4: Necessary. Yeah.
0: Why, why do you think it's necessary, Beth? You said it, you think it is?
2: Oh
4: my gosh. The first go around. Are we allowed to say that? I think we got $75 an episode <laughs> and it went into syndication for 23 years and aired 24 hours a day every single weekend
2: mm-hmm.
0: mm.
4: with or without our consent.
0: Well, Prime yeah. example. Yeah. And they said, well, you know, you signed a contract with all that language in there. And so, you know, we kind of agreed to it.
4: Sure. At two in the morning with Val standing against the post, <laughs> squaring the crap out I of me. I don't
0: know if we realized that, that this was going to go on, there'd be a 30 year reunion and how much they'd actually air this stuff and how much trauma would actually happen in the house. I mean, we went through, people ask me all the time, so you were on the real world. What was it like? And I say, my, my first answer is it was stressful. It was, it was stress. I don't know that it was enjoyable and awesome. Like you think it was, it was a lot of stress.
4: Well, I also think things like that sweet house was falling apart. The bathroom was so dirty that you wore shoes to go into it. Like, I think if there was a union, there'd be more protective factors. We weren't really sure if we were going to get a meal or if we weren't, if we were supposed to cook the food in the fridge, but then we didn't have time to because there was constantly something on the screen telling us we had to go somewhere else. So I think that there are some things for your health and well-being and your mental health afterwards that would be followed through better if there was a union protecting people because they're putting their lives out there. They're not actors. They're putting their lives out there. And we all know that they take a 24 hour period and bump it into a 45 minute episode that people then formulate opinions for life about you. Yeah. So I think that there needs to be protective factors. And that that was
0: a big difference in the 1993 experience. And then the homecoming experience, 29 years later was in 93, we got up, we said what we want, we went where we want, we did what we want. But at the, at the homecoming, it it was uh I mean I stopped short of saying it was scripted but it was definitely planned but if we were into day three before we figured out hey nothing really happens before lunch they're letting us get up and do what we want and 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 cook breakfast or lunch and and then there's an incoming message that we have to sit down and talk about but it would have been nice to know that you know information beforehand hey here's kind of the schedule but. Uh, we didn't have a schedule in '93, so a totally well, different experience for me. John,
2: it's reality. They want to keep us on our toes. They're not going to tell us, right? Because they want. Well, to if they, I mean, I mean, probably.
0: If it's reality, then you don't you don't have to you know you don't have to play a a, a clip from 29 years ago that we have to you know mandatorily sit and talk about for two hours.
5: Yeah. <laughs> back in back in '93, I had it. I I mean, I think part of the issue I had was that. I didn't like when anything seemed like it was scripted. I I went after those people and I went after those moments. I mean, other than Irene's wedding, I, I, you know, and the showcase that we all planned together, but anything else I thought that was staged, I, I personally hated it and Beth got, (laughs) Beth got it sometimes because I thought she was staging stuff and I would go after her because I thought this was this thing called the real world. It's going to be real and it's going to happen as it happens. And nobody's going to tell me what to do. (laughs)
2: <laughs> OK, what did you I, OK, what did you think I was staging? I'm just. Curious. Oh,
5: well, you, you know, you really didn't stage that much, but Tammy staged a lot of stuff and I'm sure they loved it. They wanted to know what we were doing every day like they we were supposed to basically fill them in on our schedule every day what we were doing. Well, for John and I, it was like we, like I just got there. I didn't even have a car. I couldn't even do anything. I think I bought a bike like a weekend to, to try to get around. Um. And John had nothing. He was just trying to figure things out.
0: So, well, it was so strange. And, and for me and and Glenn, you as well. I mean, it was the story of seven strangers to pick to live in a house. But, you know, I was uprooted from the South and, and moved out to Los Angeles where our roommates, they weren't from Los Angeles, all of them, but they were living an established life in Los Angeles. So they had apartments. They had cars. And very job. often
3: I had a job that I went to. Every day. Right. You had, you had a job a you went to every day. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I, I didn't have a job. I was, I just graduated high school. I was chilling on the beach every day, you know. But it was like, if Beth got mad or she felt stressed, she had a car and an apartment to get away, you know. And she get, she, she had a life. She had a support group of friends. It was just a whole different experience for, for Glenn and I that were away from everything and everyone. I was waiting.
2: I I, I wasn't allowed to go to my apartment. I didn't go to my apartment. I would go and and uh, run and work on the set of Beverly Hills 90210 as an extra.
0: So mm-hmm.
5: <laughs> that's what I would yeah. do, but I you didn't, a I, job, didn't yeah. I didn't have credit cards. I couldn't, I felt bad at times. I think I shared this at the homecoming. Like part of my, my frustration was that, you know, you guys would invite me out and stuff, but I knew if I went to dinner, I couldn't pay for it, you know? And so I would have to say no. And I couldn't tell you why. And it would just drive me crazy, you know? Yeah. So I saw people with doing things and getting out and here I am waiting for the guys from my band to get there. And they had my car. That was the only way they were gonna get out there. I had to try to find them a place to live. Um, so I would get really upset. I would get frustrated. I'd you know, I'd pen it up and let it out at times because I couldn't go to, to dinner with Tammy and Beth or you, John, or whoever. So
2: and I couldn't well,
0: get I around. I don't know if there was always... ever a time where Tammy and Beth went to dinner, but uh, yeah. And speaking of no, Tammy, we did. They did did you
2: for dinner? Yeah, in ninety in
0: ninety three, you would go out with Tammy for dinner.
2: I mean, not often, but we did.
0: (laughs) Do you guys feel like, I mean, that there was this, uh, this elephant in the room for our homecoming where, uh, let's just call it what it was. The whole series was centered around Tammy and less about an update about like, honestly, I mean, I got an update on your lives and I met all of your children, but I mean, like Beth has two teenage children that were never seen on the homecoming show. Glenn, your, your children can came to our house all day and was never shown. I just feel like that most all of the homecoming episodes were based around Tammy and uh, they really viewers and myself, we really didn't get the update reunion homecoming that we had signed on for.
2: I, I mean, yeah. I mean, for me, I could say like, I don't think anybody really learned anything new about me. I mean, I had a whole thing going on in my personal life that people still to this day do not know about. So I was going through a lot of things at that time, like real things that were not even covered. And I was floored that they didn't show any of that. And um, I still don't understand why none of that was covered because it might explain where my state of mind was while I was there in the house. It's undeniable the
4: the private hair and makeup, the getting to get set up for everything separate, the spending the night with the uh, the husband or boyfriend down the street in the at the Ritz Carlton, the um, doing sneaking in the LA interview and all these things on Sundays when we're supposed to be going to Calabasas and all just pretending it wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. That's kind of odd and awkward. The uh, being able to snap your fingers and say Carlton cigarettes. And then they're just there like
2: mm.
4: anybody listening, you know, I mean, there was definitely a, a different vibe and I think that that's unfortunate and it's unfortunate for Tammy. Cause once again, she missed an opportunity to share space with other people. She tried, but you know, I, I think it, it goes both ways, a, a, just a different form of separating yourself from the group.
0: Yeah. And I just felt like that the, the main producer James was unfamiliar with our, our original series. Like he, it it was more, let's make a whole new series with Tammy and okay. She's going to have to interact with John because he was on the show too, whatever, but he never really understood the dynamic of the relationships and he was navigating the whole homecoming. And for me, it was disappointing because we didn't really get the homecoming And the viewers and the fans really didn't get the homecoming that it could have and should have been because
3: that wasn't even, they communicated something completely different when I spoke to James or when I spoke to, you know, the other ones that were in charge. We want to know about what your life is about, what you've been doing. It was a bunch of BS. That's what it was.
0: Because they they never said it.
3: It just did not happen. I mean, they came to my house, they spent a whole day. If anything, they wasted their money just being here. And filming my family, you know, I could have been doing something much better on that day rather than hosting them.
0: Yeah. So, and, and that's so funny because I think the story was that you have a you had a poster of Obama in, in your I garage. I sure
3: did, right in my garage. And then. Um, and
0: they said what? They said what?
3: Um, I think it was my son Corey heard them saying something about the poster about Obama, and um, what was her name? Sky saying something about it. And I, I don't know what context and stuff, but I'm like, go ahead and film that and put that on there. And they did.
0: But you said that, that your son overheard them say, we'll have to, we'll have to see what John thinks about this.
3: Oh, that's right. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) I mean, just this little, I'll be all of this, let's see what we can do to what? Throw a pebble in the pond. Stir
3: the pot a little bit more, right? Yeah, no. And of course it didn't air, you know, Uh, I think I got aired uh, a second of me walking down my stairs with the suitcase and like the back of Phil's head. And that was about it. And I'm like, all of that footage, all of us sitting down and talking about my life and with my parents there and stuff and nothing. So how is that going to describe me on TV? It didn't show who I, I really was. I can
4: top that. Mm. Glenn fought for me to actually have my photo on the photo wall because production told me they didn't realize I was on the show. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. There you go.
3: Another disconnection <laughs> that they had.
0: Well, some of the people working... They didn't know I was show.
3: on the show, some, but I was there. Some of them
0: wasn't even born when we when we did our original Hello, show. All and of they're... them weren't
3: born, okay? Come on.
0: <laughs> we are so OG. We are so OG. <laughs> so, uh, Glenn, where can people find you, uh, stay in touch with you, find your music? Where can we find you on the internet?
5: Basically, you can listen to Perch or Magnetic Jesus if you just type in... Magnetic Jesus into, or, per, well, uh, sorry, Planet Perch into, um, I guess, YouTube or any of those other, you can Google it, you know, Planet Perch, and it'll take you to one of the Amazon or somewhere else. As far as me, I, you know, I just got enough stuff going on I <laughs> with my family and, and everybody else, and I really try to put in time with the person I, I love, you know, she calls me her twin flame. Um, oh. I that's my focus, you know, and my children and my, my parents um, and my my brothers and sisters and everybody else. Um, so when it comes to social media, I find it hurts people at times. And I, I find that people really can't be real on social media. It's a, it seems to be a big front. But if somebody wants to track me down, Facebook's probably the best place, you know, by my name, Glenn, and last name Nasons. There's only one Glenn Nasons I know of in the United States um so um that's the best way message me if you want to and people have like since the homecoming I got a a lot of people reached out it was really nice and I I also had a lot of close friends tell me that I really and my my kids telling me that I really should be on Instagram and I'm not so uh (laughs) so when it comes to promoting myself um I do that in person with people that I'm close to
0: that's awesome. And if you're looking for travel or health and nutrition, our friend Irene, our mom, is on Instagram at Irene's Real World LA. And so that you're easy to find and willing to help.
3: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's what you're
0: passionate about and spending your days. Uh, Beth A., you are on Instagram at Beth A. for reals. With a Z at the end, Beth A for reals.
2: Thank you so much for being on our show today, you guys. And you know what? To be continued, to be continued, guys.
0: Thank you, roommates. We love you. Thank
2: you. We love you so much. Love you too. Bye.
0: You've been listening to Getting Real with John and Beth on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Executive produced by Christian Swain and Peter Firioli. Edited by Michael DeVestia produced by Lindley Ehrlich, hosted by Beth Stelarchek and John Brennan. Be sure to follow us on social media on Instagram and TikTok. You can follow Beth at Beth's Real World and follow John at johnbrennan.com. Also follow the podcast on Instagram at Getting Real with John and Beth. Until next time, keep it real. Beth!